so excited about today in this series. And boy, I don't know what happened to me in the early service, but uh, I'm glad you're in the second service. Because, man, I got, I got lost in my notes. So we're going to try to keep it on tag today, but aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord today? Let me ask you this. When you got up this morning, did you feel excited about coming to church? You know, I love that scripture where it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Because that tells me that when I make those steps and come here, I can expect God to do something for me here. It's a spirit of expectancy. I was glad. So here I want to tell you, God's going to do something in this service today. And I'm excited. I believe it will be life-changing for some. I believe it will be revelatory. And I believe it will be destiny-setting. I, because I know this, you... Um, you become like those you run with. I'm standing in a room full of people that I, man, I'm telling you, I've never been more proud to be a group, of being connected to a group of people like I am you today. Because every single person in here is so important. You are so amazing. Your destiny of God on your life is so out of this, even imagine it. I can't even imagine, the Bible says, the things that God has planned for you. And so today we want to talk about some of those things. Real quick, let me throw the announcement. Choir is meeting Thursday. We're working on our announcements, getting them better, trying to streamline some of our services a little bit better. So um, to choir will be meeting Thursday. That wasn't in there. And also, today is uh, day 14 in our fast. Praise God. How many of you guys are ready there? Seven more days. I'm excited about the last seven days because that means... I'm over halfway to being done. <laughs> All right? I'm pumped. You say, Greg, do you like to fast? No, I don't like to fast. But I understand the importance of the fast. And what I love about this fast is what I'm asking God to do this year in my personal life is I'm not fasting where if you're visiting with us, we're in the middle of a 21-day fast. We um, are in a series called From Now On. And what we're doing is from now on, we're going to put God first was the first thing we did. So we put God first of our year by, you know, taking 21 days and praying fast. We do God first of our um, month by setting schedules and planning and budgets. Then we set God first of our week by being in church on a Sunday morning, the first day of the week, making God first. And then we give God first of our day by taking time out in the morning to be in His Word and hear from Him and spend time with Him and worship and pray. So, God being first, I can expect God to bless all the rest. And so, the 21 days of me pushing things aside from my plate, saying, God, I, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, discipline. What it is, is I want you to know you're the most important thing to me. And so, some things that make life easy, I'm just going to put to the side because I want you to see. I'm willing to do anything because you're first. And so, I am excited. We've got seven more days. And this is what I'm praying and believing God over these seven days. That... When Jesus fasted 41 days in the Bible, it says, and when he come out of the wilderness, he, the Lord sent ministering angels to him. And they imparted in him strength and power. I'm believing that maybe you haven't been in the fast with us up to this point yet. But I'm believing God that after, after, when we break our fast next week, next Sunday, we're breaking that. We're going to celebrate in a very unique way. You don't want to miss that service. I promise you will enjoy it. But when we break that fast, I'm believing God that He's going to send the same ministering angels to us this service, or same ministering even into your life, to pour power and strength. How many of you guys would love to go through the rest of this year stronger than you've ever been before? Healthier than you've ever been before? You know, more powerful 
And, that, and I believe that's why, that's why I'm asking God, God, in this fast, when we come and we break it, I want, I want you to send the exact same angels. Wouldn't it be awesome if He sent the same angels that put their hand on Jesus to you? Wouldn't that be cool? That's what I'm just going to be honest. I'm believing God for that. I'm, the same angels that minister power and strength, that's what I've been asking for in this fast. God, I ask you to send those angels to our church. And you would use them to impart power and strength into your lives, power into your marriage, strength into your marriage, into your jobs, into your health, into our, into our, so where this year will be the greatest, strongest, powerful year you've ever lived. Amen? Well, that being said, you know, we're looking forward to moving into the things that God has for us this year. Think about it is we're calling it moving into the things that God has for us this year because I don't believe I'm living all that God has for me. How many of you guys believe God has more for you? I believe He does. I believe that we serve the God of hope, and the God of hope says this, tomorrow's better than you are today. And I don't care if you're living on cloud nine today, there's a cloud 10, 11, 12, because the Bible says every day with the Lord, your life gets better. It says your latter will be greater than your former. That means tomorrow's going to be better than today. You say, well, Craig, how do you know? What, do you, what if you've got to deal with something tomorrow? I understand. But God is faithful even when i got to deal with things. Just like I look back over 2020, and man, that was a tough year. Uh, there were things, we, we faced all kinds of things, but I also am standing in 2021 looking back, and today things are greater than they were in 20. 2021 is greater than 2020. And I got a little video I, that kind of shows exactly how great God is and how better things get, because just almost a year ago now, I found out that they told me my daughter would not be walking in just a couple of years. They told me that they, she wasn't going to be able to dance. She wasn't going to be able to, you know, they said she would be wheelchair-bound. And by the time she had 20, she'd have to have her hips replaced. And that's what we were told at the beginning of 2020. And then I walked in my living room this week, and I caught it. And it's one of those moments. You ever walked in, and, you know, something happens, and you think, man, I wish I would have got that on tape. You know, I walked into my living room this week. And I, had, uh, I saw it about to happen, so I had time to grab my phone out and throw it up and catch it on videotape. And I want to show you, this is just full-on proof that things get better. When you are serving the Lord, when you are holding on to it, when you, when you don't give up, I'm telling you, your ladder will be greater than your former. A year ago, they said she won't walk. Look what I caught on film this week. And she has had no formal training here, all right? That's just full-on breakdancing. She has just learned herself. <laughs> That's proof right there that God is at work doing things. Because she, she, they, they were saying she wasn't going to walk. And it's been a year. I'm not saying it's been easy. But I can say this. God has been faithful. Start the little play again. Watch this. Watch the intensity of these moves now. I tell you, she, she had to learn this stuff from her mom. That's all I can figure out. Look at that. <laughs> that girl's going right there now. But that's faithful. I mean, that's faithful. God is so faithful because she's walking. She's moving. And now, was she walking like that or dancing like that all year? No. Look at you go, girl. But she got stronger and stronger as we went forward this year. And I'm here to tell you, 2021 is going to be greater than 2020 because God is still faithful. God is still on the throne. And I don't care what your circumstance looks like today. 
Man, if you're in this thing and you are serving the Lord, it won't be that it won't be that way for long. And so I'm excited about what 2021 has to say. I believe the Lord told me it's the year of hope. Hope means tomorrow's going to be better. And it says that he will, in Romans 15, 13, it says this. He's the God of hope. And he's going to fill you full of joy and peace. How many of you guys are ready for some more joy and peace this year? Man, I need... He said, I don't know. i got to be honest. When I saw that right there happen the other day, I don't know if I could have got any more joyful because me and Jennifer laughed and laughed and laughed at that video forever. But it was... I think it's going to get fuller and fuller and fuller of seeing God be faithful this year. I truly believe with all my heart. Now, that's not saying that it's not going to be without challenges because any preacher that ever tells you serving the Lord is going to be without challenges is a liar. Because God wouldn't need to be faithful if we didn't face things that He needed to be faithful in. And so, this year may have challenges in it, but your God is going to be faithful. This year may have difficulty, maybe areas of disappointment, but your God will be faithful. And He's going to continue to do what He started. Your ladder is going to be greater. But we have a part to play in this too. Look, I'm moving into what God has for us. That means there's, there's an action, things we will have to do. And so we've called this series from now on. And so what I'm saying today is from now on, I need to live on purpose. Everybody say on purpose. Man, not just get up because you woke up, but get up because you're on purpose. There's a purpose connected to your life. So that's what we're going to talk about today just a little bit. It's the purpose and the plan and the call that you are. See, a lot of times, in a lot of ways, people, probably the number one question I get asked as a pastor is, you know, what's the will of God for me? Or what is my destiny and my purpose? First of all, we've got to lay out the fact that you were predestined, the Bible says. Predestined. That means you were planned before you got here. And God, Bible says in Psalms 139 that He, he formed you and He made you. I, can I read it? Tanya, you're going to get mad at me because I am so, I'm not even on my scripture, on my notes. But we're gonna go, let's go to Luke 19. Is that right? Let's see, Luke 19. Oh, Lord. Somebody shrunk the words on my phone. <laughs> Luke 19, let's read to uh, uh, verse, we'll start at verse 28. Okay? It says, and when he had said this, he went ahead going into Jerusalem. And then it came to pass when he drew near uh, the Bethage and Bethany at the mountain of Olive, he he sent two disciples saying, go to the village opposite of you, where as you enter, you will find a colt. tied." I'm reading the NIV. That this is new. It says, if anyone uh, go back up to verse thirty. So I want you to go into the city opposite of you. Go into the village ahead of you. And as you enter, you will find a colt tied there, uh, which no one has ever ridden. King James says you will find a wild donkey. Um, different translations say different. This one says colt. In other words, an unbroken horse. It, it's, the Bible says that he sent the disciples into a city to find an... Uh, uh, and they were, he said, you'll find an unbroken Horse. You know, I, I don't care what city I've ever been into. Every city I go into, I find people that are unbroken before the Lord. And I know this, there was a time in my life I was unbroken before the Lord. I was one of those wild donkeys. But then it said this, he says, which no one has ever, uh, check this out, say, untie. Untie. If you're watching online, you need to put that in those. Untie. 
you got to be untied. See, the donkey was there. God knew where it was. God knew when it was there. And God had an appointment and a time set for it to have an encounter. And when the disciples got there, the first thing they had to do was untie it. You know, going into this year, you need to know that you have a purpose connected to your life and you are a, you have a calling and a destiny. And the thing about it is most people go through their whole lives not knowing what those are or looking for it or trying to find it. And what a waste for people to go through their life and get to the end of it and then realize what God wanted to use them to do. You know, it's so heartbreaking to me when I watch Christians... You know, love the Lord, but yet not know what He saved them for. Because God saved you for more than heaven. In John 10, 10, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, For the thief comes only but to kill, steal, and destroy. It says, But I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Now, a lot of times people and Christians get and they understand that when they come to the knowledge of the Lord, that... Hey, they get this amazing life, and you do. That's that first thing there. It says, I've come to give you life, but God's wanting to do more in your life than just save you and let you go to heaven. He's, matter of fact, He has a will for your life. There's a will of God for your life. And a lot of people go through their life never living out the will of God for their life and never figuring out what their destiny is. See, like at this church, a lot of people say, well, why do y'all church? Why, why, why do y'all need a church in Elredo? Y'all want to count it? Because this church, we believe we have a purpose and a destiny. We believe, one, our call is to love God. Two, is to love people. And so that's what we try to do here at this church. And the way we do it, it's not real complicated. We've set our goals and we've, we've studied and tried to figure out the best way to do these things. And we've taken from other churches, having powerful ministries, examples and things. And we believe we do four things, four simple things. I believe this, that if you do these four things with us, if you're part of this church, everybody in this church should be doing these four things, four steps we believe that you should take. One, we believe you should know God. I tell you, you're, you're never going to find out what God put you here for until you first know who put you here. You know, you, you can't know who you are until you know whose you are. You know, my girl, then you say, you, you watch it. You put, find kids that have an f- absent father. They don't know who their father is. They spend their whole life searching and longing, feeling like they don't really know who they are. And I've watched kids that even kids that have been adopted, you know, at a certain age, this thing begins to awaken in them that they want to go find their biological parents because it's like they don't know who they are until they know who they came from. I mean, I've watched it time and time and time again. The truth of the matter is that's not necessarily a natural thing. God put that in you because God made me in you. And you will never find out really who you are until you understand and meet whose you are. And so when you come to know God, that's one of the most important things our church, we believe our church does here, is we try to create an environment for you to have an encounter with God. We try to teach the Word in a way that out of His Word you begin to know the character, the nature, and then you have an encounter, a moment with the Lord where you meet Him. And when you meet Him, you begin to build a relationship with Him. And the relationship you build with Him, it causes your life to find direction, purpose, and meaning. So we, we first, we believe you should know God. And, you know, you'll find people that feel like they're a part of this church, but if they don't ever come and encounter God at this church, they don't know God the way God wants them to know them if He planted them in this church. I'm just being honest. With you. So you can't be a part of what God's using this church or going to this church without coming to church. You've got to be a part of it. You've got to be here. You've got to come in and encounter God. You've got to see God. You know, not every minute's the same. Like tonight... 
uh, we're not having service, or we are having service here. Isn't that right, Pastor Jerry? Tonight, uh, Brother David Covett, usually every January we bring in different prophetic speakers. And because of COVID going on this year, we're not bringing them in. But Brother David Covett, he's a powerful prophet of God. I mean, amazing, anointed. But So he's agreed to come online live with us tonight. So we will be, if you want to come to the church, you can come watch it live online, but also be on Facebook. I've seen what where you are. And so I'll be participating online but uh, Pastor Jerry, they're setting up where you can come here. But, you know, you want to come be a part of what God... Because not every minute's the same. Can you miss a move of God? Absolutely. You know, you can see that in the Scripture when Jesus told the disciples to go to the upper room and wait. And He told 500 and only 120 did. The other 380 missed out on that day. Now, I don't know if they got filled with the Holy Spirit later, but I know they missed out that day. Why? Because they were not there. You can miss out on things. I'm going to just be honest with you. Not every moment's the same. And so God can come in and move in a service in a way. And if you're not here, you miss it. Just being plain. And so you know, as a church here, we believe that we're called one to know God. So we try to create environments. That's why we, we believe God gifted and talented people that are dedicated to their call. And so we create environments. You say, well, a lot of people don't understand the lights. We change everything around here all the time. And the reason why we do that is because I know this. You can have church the same way every week and every week and every week. And it's like eating chocolate cake every, every meal. Eventually, it just loses its flavor and it stays the same. So we're always shifting and moving things because we can't make God move. We can do this. We can come together in His name. And the Bible promises His presence is here. We can create an atmosphere with praise. And the Bible says God inhabits it. But I can't make God move on your behalf. That's a part that you have to do. So we create the environment. That's what we believe as a church. We create the environment. And that God can encounter you right where you are. And God will do that. I've never seen anyone come into the presence of God and their heart be open and expecting and God not meet them where they're at. And so I come to church expecting God to move. But we, number one, we know God. Number two, we believe that you are to, our church is called to help people find freedom. And the the important thing about find freedom is this, just like that donkey. God knew right where that donkey was. He set up a perfect encounter, but when he got there, that donkey was tied up. And the truth is this, if you've lived any time on this planet, the world has ways of entangling you into, th- into things. We're, you, can, you can get entangled into all kinds of things. And the enemy's plan and goal is to have you entangled to where you can't get free or move or be able to, to do what God's called you to do because you're so tied into the entanglements of this world. And so we believe this, God's called our church to help people find freedom. And the way we do that is through small groups. We believe that life was meant to live together in community. People help you get free. You know, I've noticed this about people, though, that aren't free. You know, I've been doing this long enough now that I watch people come in. They have an encounter with God. God touches them. God saves them. They get a new life. And then they go to take that next step. But they're just not really ready to be completely free. So then you watch them begin to pull back. You know, in my family life, when my daughters start pulling away from us, watching TV in other rooms, I know the enemy's after them. I know that when people begin to pull back from relationships and God-given relationships in their life, what's happening is the enemy's trying to get them bound and tied or torn into this. So that's what we believe. Our small groups, what we do is that's where we find freedom. Because in here, God may deliver you, but you're going to walk out freedom in relationships and in small groups in this church. And right now, there's cards in your... In your um, Seats. Those cards are a list of our small groups that we have. 
And I'm just going to be blunt because it's the first of the year. We did this last week. There were 105 people in the sanctuary. We got 13 cards. I thought, boy, a lot of people like being bound, don't you? Don't you think? Out of 105, 13. I want to put this before you. If you're part of this church, if you know God has a destiny to call on you, you've had an encounter with God, but you're tired of being tied to things. I want to make you, I want to ask you to take the next step. I want you to get involved in a small group in this church. Uh, you know, say, well, Craig, I, don't, I don't really like people. I know, we can fix that. We will put you with people that will like you first. That's what I've usually learned. People that don't like people, they're afraid that people don't like them. And so what we'll do is put you in a group. And there's all kinds of different groups. We have marriage classes. And you say, well, who do I have to have trouble in marriage? No. Marriage class is just for married people. That's what it's for. It's not about people whose marriage are in trouble. It's not marriage counseling. It's marriage class. It's where other married couples are coming together. And they are relations, building relationships and helping each other be free. All right? We have celebrate recovery. You say, well, Cricket, I'm not an addict. Have you ever been hurt? Do you have a bad habit? Are there any hang-ups? All right, I've got all those. So I would be a great person to be in Celebrate Recovery. And I've been through the program of Celebrate Recovery. Why? Because I've got to get free. I've got to get free because the reason why you've got to get free is you can be saved and addicted. You can be saved and depressed. You can be saved and unhappy. You can be saved and all these. But God wants you to be untied. When he raised Lazarus out of the tomb, the first thing he did was told his disciples to go unbind him. He didn't tell Lazarus to bind uh, to uh, unbind himself because the truth is, if you could get free, you would. But you can't, so you're going to need those with you to help you get free. So if you're part of this church, take a step of faith this year. Take the next step and sign up. Just And like I say, if I sign up, does it promise you I got to know when you mark on that card, what's going to happen is the leader of a small group is going to contact you and just tell you what they do and how they do it. And so, this is not really you committing to go. This is you saying, hey, give me some information. So, I'm going to ask you, before the service is over, take that card, check one, and see if God could use that to help you get to that move of God in your life that you've been longing to get free from. And that Bible says that. It says, untie him and bring him to me. And it says, if anyone stops you on the way, it says, tell them I have need of him. Man, God... It's amazing how God laid this thing out. Because, see, God loved you so much that the Bible says He sent His Son to die for you. But even before you accepted His Son, the Bible said God created you in such an amazing way. It says He knew you before you were born. He formed your innermost beings. It says you were wonderfully and beautifully created. Everything about you is right when it comes to the hand of God because He made you this way. Now, you being tied to a fence, that's not God's will. But the truth is, the only thing more powerful on this earth than God's will in your life is your will. And if you choose to allow yourself to stay tangled and entangled into the cares of this world, then you will be tied to a fence and still yet God has need for you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. But the amazing thing is, the thing about God's purpose and plan for your life is, it's the very thing that will fulfill you more than anything else in this world. God's plan for you because he, but the Bible says that we were reverse engineered. Do you guys know what reverse engineered is? It means, you know, every time they release a new Apple phone, there's people that go stand in line in the freezing and the cold. And what they do is they wait to be able to get the very first one. And they get that very first one. They'll pay thousands of dollars for it. They'll take it home, lay it on their table, pull out screwdrivers, and start taking it apart. It's amazing. They, I, I, I tell Jen all the time, I usually take phones apart after I've had them a while, but these guys take them apart the very day because they want to see how they work, what's in them, make it work. The Bible says God knew you're in from your beginning. What that means is 
He knew what your purpose was. So he started at your beginning, designing you exactly the way he wanted you for you to be able to fulfill the destiny and the call of God on your life. The truth is, you can't do it without him. He's the engineer. Think about it. We don't know what we are until we know who he is. When we know who he is, he begins to reveal what he created us for. And when we get free, the next thing is, at this church, we believe we want to help you discover your purpose. Because there's nothing sadder in life for people to go through life wondering, what in the world am I here for? Am I just waiting? If, if it, God didn't have a purpose for your life, the minute you say the salvation prayer, you should be transported into heaven right then. Because then you made it. You wouldn't have to go through all this other stuff. But see, God cares about everyone else that hasn't encountered Him yet. So He designed you in a way to be an answer to somebody's problem. You are an answer to the world's problem. You are destined to a purpose. And I don't care what mistakes you made. God's plan and His sovereign and His wisdom is so powerful, He even uses the mistakes you made to become part of what your purpose and destiny is. Because the Bible says that, in Revelation says that um, we destroy the works of the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. What is the word of the testimony? It's the mistakes you made that the blood of Jesus has covered. And so God has such a plan for your life. The problem is, most of us never choose to live this plan out. And we're like, all right, God, if you just tell me what to do, I'll do it. God, tell me where to go, I'll go. He's already saved you. And this is what he said. He said, I've come to give you life. That's your salvation. But then he said, but then there's more. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I've got a coin in my pocket. It's one of my most prized possessions. Jennifer has prized possessions. She's got a drawer full of baby teeth. I'm like, that's gross. But they're very important to her. I mean, they were expensive for me, but they're important to her. I've got a coin here. It's an it's a unusual coin. And I want to tell the story real quick before we get into what we're doing. Is, you know, about five years ago, I had a, a friend come to me, and um, he was in the military. He's in the Navy. And he just wasn't anybody in the Navy. He was very high up in the Navy. I don't, I'm not a military guy. I don't understand how all the ranking. I don't want to give a title and it'd be wrong because I get them all mixed up, Navy, Army. But he was second in command on an, air, on an aircraft carrier in the Pacific. And when he came to me, we sat down in a restaurant across the table and we began to talk. I was like, man, wow. Look, look at you. Look at all you've done. He began to tell me all that he did. He graduated right out of high school, went directly into the military, into the military, went into all the trainings and told me all the things he'd been through and all of those things. And he rose from the very bottom all the way up to the very top, second in command of a United States aircraft carrier. Over thousands of men had the most honor you could have. I mean, he had the white, the, the dress blues, had the hat. He had all the medals and all that. He had all the respect you could possibly. When he would walk into a room, people saluted him. I mean, he had risen to as high as you could rise to be his age at the level he was in. And he told me, he said, man, I've got a wonderful family. He said, I've got a gorgeous wife. He showed me a picture of her. He showed me pictures of his two kids. Beautiful kids. Beautiful. And then he talked about not only did he make this career move and reach to the top level, you know, the disciplines and the, and the, the, 
things that he put in his life, but he also was very successful. He'd been very smart with his money. And the money that he had made, it was invested in right ways. And man, he had lots and lots of property and he owned lots of rental properties and things, commercial properties. And he, to the point where he has a huge house in San Diego. Huge house. Beautiful house. He also has a condo in Honolulu in a high-rise condominium building on the 14th floor. And he was telling me, I was like, man, you have... Figured out success in this life. And then he told me this. He said, but let me tell you. Because when you looked in his eyes, they were empty. He said, last week, sitting in my condo in Honolulu, he said, I put a rope around my neck, tied it to the bar in the kitchen, and ran to throw myself over the balcony of the 14-story condominium. He said, I woke up, laying on the floor, the rope wasn't long enough. He got halfway over and it jerked him back and it had knocked him unconscious. Woke up on the floor gasping for air. He said, and I wanted to do it again. He had risen to the highest level you could rise in this world. And he wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't living in sin. He, as a matter of fact, loved the Lord, was saved, and attended church. But his life was so empty no matter how many people respected him, no matter how many accomplishments, he had been a part of changing things around the world. He was on the aircraft carrier, you know, the conspiracy theories, they like that, don't know if Obama's been, sobbing. Obama, not Obama, what's his name? <laughs> yeah, Bin Laden, right? You know, some people, is he dead or not? So I asked him, I said, because you know, he was over in the, during the time when they captured Bin Laden, and his aircraft carrier was the one that they transported the body back to. I said, is he really dead? He said, he's really dead. I said, they really buried him? He said, we really buried him. It was his aircraft carrier that went out into the sea, and they buried the body at sea. I said, can you tell me where it is? He said, I have to kill you. They can't tell you the location, but they know where they buried the body. And that was the day they gave him the coin. In the military, when they reach certain achievements or they do certain things and they or they have specific moments they gave all the officers that day this coin because it represented a time or something they were part of that made a difference in the world he said but the time rope around my neck went because my life was so empty he said I love God but if this is all there is I can't go any higher if this is all there is man I'm just ready to go and the truth of the matter is, if you're serving the Lord and you're saved, but that's all you are, then you're still living a life full of emptiness. And you're, 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 you find yourself at points just going through the motions, trying to have an experience that maybe you had when you first come to know the Lord, because God came to give life, yes, but that's not all. Once he, you give His life, once you encounter God and He saves you, then what happens is, he has a purpose for you. And it's the saddest thing in the world to me for people to live out their life without knowing what their purpose is because the truth is that's where you find miserable, depressed, sad, bored, you know, just Christians that are struggling day to day and that was never God's intention for you. It's for you to have life and life more abundantly. And me and him sat at that table that day and we began to talk about the Scripture. What it means to have more abundant life. It means that you don't spend your life pursuing your passions. 
Because that's what the world tells you to do. As a matter of fact, we've actually heard people say this. You know, if you'll pursue your passions, you'll, you'll never work a day in your life. You ever heard that? The way to success is to get up every day and pursue your passions. You want me to tell you a way to ruin your life? Get up every day and pursue your passions. If you get up every day and pursue your passions, it's a matter of time before your marriage falls apart. You get up every day and pursue your passions, it's a matter of time before your bank accounts are empty. You get up every day and pursue your passions, it's a matter of time before you ruin every relationship you have in your life. If you get up every day and pursue your passions, it's a matter of time before you find yourself locked up in jail or in a graveyard. Your passions will kill you. Because God never intended for you to get up and pursue passions. God want, God's intended for you to get up every day and make your passions pursue purpose. Because you were created with a purpose, a destiny, and a call. And, you know, a lot of times people don't understand that every one of your days matter. David said this, Lord, teach me to number my days. Because every day matters. Because every day, God, the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. And if he made, anything he made was created with purpose and destiny. He made your day. That means in the time slot of my day today... This was created for purpose and destiny. God has a plan to do things in me, for me, and through me today. But also every day, He has those. But it's my choice whether or not I choose to pursue what God gave me this day for. You are a purpose. You are so divine. The Bible says He had more thoughts of you than there are sands on the seashore, it says in Psalms 139. That same word, thoughts, is the same word used in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans. The one says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. They're not angry. He's not upset. He don't think bad about you. He thinks good thoughts, the Bible says. I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord. Good, not evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. There is a call connected to your life. Now, what the word call simply means is this. Just like I keep using the word destiny or plan, the word call is what you were created to do for the kingdom of God. And you need to understand this. Every person on this planet was created to do something for the kingdom of God. That is your call, which in return is your destiny. And it is your responsibility to pursue and find out what that is. Here at the church, we believe that's one of our main goals. We have four things we do. We, we believe and we, we help people know God, find freedom, and then discover destiny. So we do. We have, we have a growth track that we were running before COVID hit last year that we will be cranking back up here at the church in the future. That We have tools that uh, are specifically designed to help you determine and figure out what your call is because, see, your call is connected to the way God made you. So we have personality profiles and spiritual giftings tests. We have people that help you walk through those things to figure out, if God made me this way, what did He make me for? Because everything that was wrong with you in the world will come right with you. I have a third grade reading level. I'm ADD, I'm ADHD, and I'm dyslexic. Everything that a teacher hates about a student, that's what I am. And for years, teachers, students, people, and myself included would tell me there's something wrong with me. Until I sold out to my call. And when I sold out to my call, God put me in children's ministries. And my third grade reading level... My ADD, my ADHD, and my dyslexic understanding of things made me the perfect one to do what I did in children's ministry. And for 17 years, that's what I did. I traveled the world. I worked for the third largest church in America. I worked for some of the biggest evangelists in this country, getting to teach them. Why? Because everything that was wrong with me in the world couldn't make it work. When I got into my purpose and my destiny, it began to work. 
And so there's a destiny and a calling, and you are equipped and able to do it. The problem is, most people have no idea what it is. Or, a lot of times, people are more concerned about pursuing their destiny, I mean, pursuing their passions, than they are concerned about accomplishing their destiny. And they think that you'll just, you know, the only one suffering here is you. No. What you got to understand is, just like the donkey, God said, I have need for him. I need for him. Come, I have purpose for him. God has a purpose for you. And you will constantly go through this world trying to find ways to make yourself happy, trying to find things to fulfill that need, trying to find things that will give you hope, joy, peace, until you determine that, you know what, I've got to get and do what God created me to do. And it is such an important issue that the Bible says it becomes an eternal issue. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto every man once to die. And when we die, the Bible says we're going to go before the throne of judgment. And we're going to have to give an account for everything we did here on this earth. And that's scary. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's scary. Because that means I'm going to stand before God one day and have to give an account for everything that I did. And the truth is, I can't hide anything. And the truth is that He knows it all. And the truth is this. Um, no matter how sneaky I may have been at times... I didn't keep it from him. And the truth is that I'm going to have to stand there and I'm going to have to make it up. But the thing, awesome thing about that is this. If I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, it's all under the blood and he's forgotten every bit of it. That's awesome. That's good news. So this judgment seat is not a bad seat. It's an amazing seat. I get to go in and get to stand there and say, you know, God will say, all right, let me open this book and see if your name's in here. Yep. Lamb of life, yep, there, Cricket, there's your name. And um, it'll probably be under Jonathan, or I don't know what the Lord calls me, but it'll be there. And say, so you accepted Jesus, and here, let's talk about all the things you did. Well, let's see. Well, that page is blank. Somebody washed everything off of it, and that page is blank because I put it all under the blood. That's my life. That's, I came to give you life because I deserve punishment, but He gave me life. But then a lot of people stop right there. And they don't realize we're going to step in front of another throne. And the next throne we're going to step in front of is the throne of judgment. And it's not for what we did here. It's for what we didn't do here. The Bible says there's a book in heaven that's got your name on it, not in it. If you've accepted Jesus and you've accepted life, like my friend here did, he accepted life. He, he, was, he loved the Lord, served the Lord. He gave his life to the Lord. But yet his life was so empty because he was pursuing his goals, his plans, pursuing his achievements and his accomplishments. And he reached them all. But he was still so empty. His name was going to be in the Lamb's Book of Life, but the next book, they were going to open, and there was going to be God's plan for his life. And God was going to begin to read things in that plan. And God, the Bible says, will judge us for the things that we didn't do, that he put us here to do. And me and my friends talked about it, and this is how powerful this truth is. At the end of that meal, his eyes were so open. He took this coin out of his pocket. He said, this has been the most important moment of my life. He said, and you'll find most soldiers, they have one in their pocket. That represents the most important moment of their life. They keep it with them all the time. He laid it on the table. He slid it across the table. So I want you to have it. Because this moment right now 
is greater than that moment. He said, not only did God give me life, now I know why He gave it to me. You see, there's two great moments in your life. When you were born, and when you know what you were born for. The truth of the matter, a lot of people go through their life not understanding that there's more to life than going to heaven. They say it like this, you know, it's not the size, I mean, there's the pie in the sky when you die, but God has a stake on your plate while you wait. God has His life for you that will fulfill you in so many ways. So much. The thing about it is, it's your job to find it. And we believe it's our call here at the church to help you. You say, well, Cricket, how do I find the will of God for my life? The will of God will take everything that's wrong with you in the world, and when it comes into the kingdom of God, it will make everything right. Your shortcomings become your achievements, because what it does is, it allow, it's the places where God, where you, the Bible says, and it says, let the weak say, I am strong. It lets the power of God flow through you. A kid that can't read, I've got to teach the Bible all over the world. A kid that couldn't read, I've probably been in three, four hundred public schools and got to tell kids about how Jesus changed my life because I couldn't read. And they needed kids that can't read and can't. And I read it in all, all the things wrong with me to come and tell kids that are just like me that have it what's going on. And because I would go in under artists because I can color, I can't draw, I can color. And so I go in as an artist, I could tell about what my muse was, what inspired me is the life that God created me for. You can't tell me that that's not the hand of God. The truth of the matter is the same thing works for you. There's a call of God on your life. There's something that God put you here to answer the need of others. The problem is we make it so complicated that most of us never find it. Can I read a scripture to you? I want to tell you this here. How many of you guys would like to know today how to know what the call of God on your life is? Wouldn't you like to know? I'm going to tell you. It is so simple that you can't miss it if you're willing to seek it. If you'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. This is what the Bible said. The Bible said, Paul called. Now, this is his calling. He said, Paul, my, my destiny, God called me. See, that's what, that word called is, is, is in representation of what God calls you. But see, because names mean something to God. It's like when Jacob was Jacob, meant deceiver. God called him Israel, which means prince. It released his destiny into him. Paul said this, God called to be an apostle. Paul was created, called by God to be an apostle. That's what we know his calling is. And it says, of Jesus Christ, through the will of God. Right there tells us how we find what our destiny is. It says that the will of God will bring us to the call of God. The problem is a lot of people think the will of God and the call of God are the same thing. They're not. They're not. The will of God is what gets you to the call of God. For example, best way I know how to describe it. Let's say I'm living here. Don't know what God put me here for, but I just got saved. And right there is the call of God, what God wants me to do. And But the between here and there are several steps. And the thing about it is the will of God are the steps of God for your life. And as you take a step in the will of God, it moves you toward the calling of God. So every time I take a step in the will of God, it brings me closer to the call of God. People make it so complicated. God, what did you call me to do? What did you call me to do? I want you to go to church. What did you call me to do, God? What you, I want you to get in church. What you, I want you to read your Bible. What you, they're not willing to do the will of God, so they go through their whole life not knowing what the call of God is for them. And so what happens is they get to the end of their life, and they turn around and look and see all the things they could have done for God. They just were not willing to take the steps. 
The Bible says the steps to the righteous are ordered by the Lord. God has such a plan and destiny for you. And if you will be willing to step into the will of God for your life, you will blink an eye, you'll turn around, you'll find yourself standing in the call of God for your life, completely fulfilled, completely full of joy, completely happy and making a difference. That's the fourth thing we feel like our church is called to do. We believe we're called to help people discover purpose. And fourthly, we believe we're called to make a difference. And so that's why we try to get our church, and that's why we try to focus on making things happen. And we've got all the tools to do it. sad thing about it is they say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can be sitting in here today, and you can be in a house of God, but not fulfilling the call of God on your life. But you've got to understand, that's not a light thing. Because there are two thrones of judgment. You know, they say this. They say that when you're growing up, they say that the first part of your life, psychologically, that people don't do things because they're afraid they're going to make regrets. But then they found, as people age and get older in life, they have regret because they didn't do the things they were afraid to do. I finally crossed that edge. I look back and think, I regret the days that I should have done this or could have done that. But the truth of the matter is, we're going to get to heaven one day and God's going to ask you, why didn't you? Why didn't you? Because I saved you. And I had all this for you. All you had to do is take the steps. All you had to do is live the will of God for your life and it would be there. I've got, I've got a video that's about as powerful a video as you can be. It can be. Because, see, a lot of people think that preachers are called, missionaries are called, full-fold ministry are called. No. Every Christian, every believer is called. I can't tell you what your calling is, but I can tell you this. You can't miss it if you start walking and taking steps to the will of God for your life. But this video shows it in a very strong way. And I'm going to come up here real quick. I want to give you three ways that you can begin to find out what your calling is today. But real quick, guys, if you will, play this video and ask yourself, which one will you be on that day? Question. What are you called to do? I ask that question because we won't be judged according to what we did in life but rather what we were called to do in life. Imagine with me standing before the throne of God and a scenario like this occurred. Evangelist Anderson, come forth and give an account of your stewardship on earth. E evangelist Anderson, I, I'm not an evangelist. I, I, I'm an accountant. I, 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 I. I had an accounting firm. I had an evangelist Anderson. Where are the 347,566 souls I called you to impact in Asia, son? Where are they? I, I, I'm an accountant. I, I had an accounting firm. I, I, I help churches. I help ministries with their, their, their finances, son. Where are the 347,566 souls in Asia I called you to impact? Son, where are they? Had you saw me, had you saw my face, I would have revealed this to you. Accountant Jones, step four. And give an account of your stewardship. Uh, accountant? Jones. No, no, I'm not. I passed for 35 years. I, I had a, a membership of 750 people. Uh, accountant 
Jones, I called you to the marketplace. Had you done this, you would have significantly impacted two people. You and those two men would have helped churches with their finances, and those churches would have impacted 751,321 souls. If you would have sought me, I, I would have revealed this to you. Sister Smith, come forth to give me an account of your stewardship. I only raised three children. I, I never preached to, to nations. I, I never even been on a, a missionary trip. I, I only tried my hardest to raise my children in your way. Sister Smith, I never called you to preach the nations. I never called you to go to other countries on missionary trips. I called you to raise three children. And let me show you one million five hundred seventy nine thousand five hundred forty one souls. Those three children impact. You saw me and you heard my voice. You were obedient to my call. Well done, my good and faithful servant into the joy of your Lord. So remember, in regards to the calling that's on your life, you won't be judged according to what you did. You'll be judged according to what you were called to do. I would love to think I got to get up every day and live my life the way I wanted to live it. And I'd be happy Fulfilled, successful. But that's not what I'm here for. I was saved by God. And I was called according to His purpose. And if you would allow God to give you life, it doesn't stop there. Next, He gives you life more abundantly. And God will open up this world to be... I mean, you know why this is one of my favorite things in the world? Prized possessions? It's not because of the story. It's not because it's cool. And it's military. It's because of this. When he slid this across the table, it was an assurance that I have a calling. And because I had done things and took steps in the will of God in my life, it brought me to a table that God was able to use me to impact somebody that didn't know they had one either. So this is why I love this coin. It's because it represents that I'm called. You need to know your call. And the way you find your call, the Bible says, is you do it through the will of God. Every time you take a step into the will, then you take a step into your call. What happened is, you won't even realize when I had no idea that day I was sitting in that restaurant that my calling 
was at work through me. I thought I was having lunch with a really cool guy. But because I had showed up, because I had grown up, because I had bowed up, I found myself there living a call. Those are the three steps. One, you've got to show up. If you're going to be in the call of God in your life, you've got to show up. You've got to be a part. You're not going to do it by yourself. You've got to be a part of what God's doing. You've got to be a part of the kingdom of God. You've got to be a part of the body of Christ. I know so many people that think they can accomplish what God has called them to do, separated from a church. They can't. I'm, this is the body of Christ. If I take my hand off right now, chop it and go lay it over there, my body can still do what the body's supposed to do. The hand can't do anything by itself. And so you've got to show up. You've got to be a part of this thing. You've got to be a part of what God is doing. You've got to be a part of a fellowship. You've got to, it's not okay to have casual attendance when it comes to your call. When you understand how important it is and how bad God needs you. He said, bring that donkey to me because I have need of him. God needs you. You are the answer to your family. You are the answer to this city. You are the answer to this nation. God needs you. But God can only use you if you show up. Number two, you've got to grow up. If you're going to be used in the call of God for your life, you're going to have to come to a point where you quit being a baby. It can't be all about you. You know, I love my babies, but I'm finally glad that they've gotten old enough. This year was the first year that they took their money and bought Christmas presents for others. I was so I was like, look at that maturity in these little girls. Because usually, daddy gets to go spend his money on their stuff, and they get to pick out stuff. This year, the gifts weren't as big, but they, they got it. Because what happens is they start to grow up, and they realize it ain't all about them anymore. They're going to be a part of blessing others. They're going to be a part of doing things. So they had to grow up and realize it's not all about me, and they have to grow up and realize that they got to get over some things. You, you, can't, you can't walk around and be used by God with your feelings being hurt all the time. can't be used by God in your calling. Walk around looking for offense all the time. You can't be easily offended. You can't be you know, easily run off. You can't be because the truth of the matter is, that's what babies do. And babies are in nurseries. Other people are taking care of babies. God's called you to make a difference. So you show up. You grow up. You say, well, Cricket, how do, I go? Why do I show up? Make a commitment. This year, from now on, I'm going to live on purpose. I'm going to live on purpose, not on passion. No matter how I feel on a Sunday, no matter how I feel on a gathering day when we're having church, I'm going to get up and go because I'm going to be connected to purpose this year. Grow up. You're going to decide that this year you're going to get in the Word. You're going to get what you need to grow up spiritually. You're going to get over offenses. You're going to forgive people. You're going to not walk around easily be forgiven or offended. You're going to act like an adult. You're going to act like a Christian. Then bow up. Be ready to get your hands dirty. Be ready to get your called to make a difference. You're called to be a You're called to serve others. The greatest joy I have in my life, besides being spending time with the Lord and hanging out with my family is when I get to serve in a way that God can use me. So you got to grow up, got to grow up, get a show up, grow up, and bow up. And I'm here to tell you this. If you will decide from now on, this year, the rest of this year, I'm going to move into what God has for me, then you're going to move into your call. And I can promise you this. i I got to be honest with you. There's been times I've been depressed in my life. But I can truly say this. It's been a long time ago. Because I wake up every day so excited about what God's going to do and what God's going to use me to do. And not every day is easy. I have to tell you, not every day is going to be easy. But I can tell you this, every day is going to be good. 
And if you'll decide that you're not going to live for you, you're going to live on purpose. You're going to make a difference. People say, well, if I was just in the right place. No, you can live on purpose anywhere. You can live on purpose. You don't got to have the... It's like, well, if I can just get a new husband. No, no, you can, you can live the will of God married to who you're married to. You can live the will of God in the city and on the job that you have. You just have to make the decision from now on. I'm going to live the will of God. I'm going to do everything I can do. And the Bible tells us this. He will show up and do what you can. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. I want to pray with you real quick. I truly believe in my spirit that there are people in here that have been living life on passion, not on purpose. And even when it came to the point of serving the Lord, they were doing it for what they were getting out of it, not for what they were created to do. I believe today will be a day of change for you. And your life is going to begin to make sense and have purpose. But before it can, the Bible says, I came to give you life. You've got you to accept His life first. You've got to get saved. You know, you can't use, can't use an unbroken donkey until the unbroken donkey submits to the Lord. If you're here this morning and you're not right with the Lord, you haven't given your heart to the Lord, or you've never given your life to the Lord, right now is your day. Right now is the chance you get to do it. I just want to ask you, will you make the greatest decision you've ever made? If you're here and you say, Cricket, I need to receive life. I need to give my life to the Lord. I need to get right with the Lord right now. Simply raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Be the greatest decision you will ever make.